I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, January 25th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. The markets, Jay. The markets are not doing well. I don't know if you've taken a look yet. <laughs> it's hard not to take a look and hard not to notice. Many, many people are talking about it, not just you and I, but Joe on the street and Jane on the street, they're talking about it too. Well, the stock market actually just suffered its worst week ever since 2020. And I guess the last time it suffered a week this bad, it was the introduction of COVID. Like it was the first signs that COVID was going to be a big thing. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely not good in the crypto market, maybe even worse than the stock market, if you can believe it or not. I can believe it. That I believe. Yeah. And there's kind of two main themes that are you know becoming an issue for the for why stocks and crypto are crashing. It's one that the Federal Reserve has been signaling that they're going to raise interest rates. So meaning it's going to be tougher for people to get money or more expensive for people to get money. And then they're also pulling back on stimulus. So the stimulus that they had put in place for COVID, I think, drove a lot of the inflation, not just inflation for consumers, but inflation of assets as well. And that's going to pull back, too. And so those two reasons, it's just looking like a terrible week on the stock market. And all we can hope is that it turns around. All we hope is that our boys, Jay Powell, Jerome Powell, and T-Mac at the Bank of Canada do something about this. Well, it's time to buckle up. Yeah, indeed it is. Uh, Brett, aside from that awful, awful news, what do we have for Pete Powell today? Well, for our first story, broken internet. For our second story, biotech gets big. And for our third story, activists are active. For our first story, as Canadian lawmakers prepare to pursue internet-related legislation next week, a Canadian Google exec has cautioned that such proposals could dramatically worsen people's online experience. This, according to Global Mail, Brett, that doesn't sound great. What's happening with Canada's internet laws? Well, here's some background. So the Liberal government has indicated that three pieces of internet legislation, which are part of a broader effort to overhaul Canada's internet rules will be the focus of the House of Commons when it resumes sitting on January 31st. Have you been following these bills, Jay? I will say kind of because I talk to you a lot. Yeah, well, you see them here and there, but I'll give you a full kind of breakdown on each of them. So the first piece of legislation is Bill C-10, which would update the Broadcasting Act that applies to traditional broadcasters, including private radio stations and CTV, to require platforms like Google's YouTube, Disney, and Netflix to promote and help fund Canadian content. Now, Bill C-10 died during the federal election call last August after it sparked controversy and made it past the House of Commons last year. Bill C-36, which also died last August, aimed to address harmful content online such as hate speech and violence. Critics of Bill C-36 have said that it could curb freedom of speech or be difficult to enforce. And the third piece of legislation, one that the feds have promised to introduce, would require platforms that make money from news content to share a portion of it with Canadian news publishers. Google, well, they're never really happy when governments meddle in their business. They sent their president of global affairs and chief legal officer, Kent Walker, to express their discontent with their proposals in an interview with the Globe and Mail. Walker argues that the regulations are unworkable for a global internet company and will have unintended consequences. One example he cited was whether companies should be more transparent about the algorithms used by the platforms. He said that revealing these details could enable bad actors to manipulate Google's systems and distribute harmful content. Okay, but Brett, what's the real takeaway from Google's position on new regulations? Well, I have to say, when I hear somebody with the name Kent Walker, it sounds like he's like the Google Superman, like legal Superman who swoops in to save the day at, at yeah, legislative assemblies around the world. 
But look, it's no surprise that Google would be opposed to these regulations. They are, of course, a company, and the fewer regulations, the better for them. It's the easier it is for them to operate and make a profit. However, to come up publicly in opposition to these policies and start to like actively advocate against them, whereas they usually do this behind the scenes, but to, to be public about it signals how concerned they actually are. Now, it remains to be seen how successful the federal government will be in getting some of these legislative items passed. As we've seen before, they got killed because of the election and it's a minority government. So it'll be interesting to see if the if the government can really pull this off, even in spite of all the opposition from companies like Google. For our second story, Toronto-based startup Benchsai raised $50 million to expand its AI-enabled platform that makes drug research less of a hassle. Jay, Benchsai, it sounds like a pretty interesting company. What do the peak pals need to know about them? Well, Benchsai uses AI to scan biomedical research to help scientists learn what's worked before and what hasn't in the process of discovering new drugs and their targets. Without platforms like Benchsai, such a process would otherwise be expensive and time-consuming. And since its founding in 2015, over 48,000 scientists and 16 of the world's top pharma companies, including Moderna and AstraZeneca, I've heard of those before, used Benchsai's platform to discover new drugs. Well, yeah, I've, one of them is the gold standard, and the other one is a, discontinued, <laughs> a discontinued vaccine. Uh, <laughs> now, the company just raised a huge round led by California-based TCV and Canadian Inovia Capital. Benchsai will use the new funding to expand its software platform to help scientists with their research and development tasks and hire 200 employees over the next year, most of them right here in Toronto. This Benchside round is part of an exciting trend of Toronto becoming a bit of a biotech hub. Last year, SoftBank led a $180 million round and drug discovery company Deep Genomics, and now Benchside is making waves too. But Brett, what's the really important takeaway from Benchside's latest raise? Well, it's cool that Benchsai and Deep Genomics are both Canadian companies and that they're hiring a bunch of people here. But what's really neat is the technology that they're building. This drug discovery technology could help companies find new drugs faster and get them to patients, which means that this could all really save lives if they can have some big breakthroughs. For our last story, activist investors have built stakes in consumer goods giants Unilever, Kohl's, and Peloton, and now they're pushing for corporate giants to improve their performance. Brett, what is an activist investor? And if you could, relate it to succession so I can uh, see, see who's who in yeah. this. Yeah, you know, Jay, it's so funny because I think you're like two years late to succession. But it's probably a good place to start with what an activist investor is. And so activist investors are investors in companies who, instead of just providing capital, actually want to be involved in the company's operations and especially pressure management into doing what they think is best. The succession comparison is Stewie. Uh, and they're having a field day this month uh, in particular. Activist investors, I guess like Stewie, have been pressuring Unilever and Kohl's to improve their performance, with Kohl's receiving $9 billion offer to go private. Meanwhile, disgruntled shareholders of Peloton have begun launching a campaign as activist investors take issue with the company's declining performance and management and subsequent stock price too. Well, yeah, and we'll go into a bit more detail on that. So this Blackwell's Capital LLC they have a 5% stake in Peloton, so that's enough of them to have a pretty big voice. And they called for the company's CEO and founder, John Foley, to step down and for Peloton to explore a sale amid declining demand. Now, who would have thought that not everybody would want a $2,000 bike in their house post-pandemic when you can go outside and do stuff? But here we are. And so, as well, prominent activist investor Nelson Peltz's firm, Tryon Fund Management, has been building a stake in Unilever over the past few months, with some seeing it as a move to pressure their consumer goods giant to improve its performance. And as Jay mentioned, Kohl's, the American retailer, they received a $9 billion buyout offer to go private. And activist investors are just not happy with that declining share price. So Jay, 
why is all this activist investing happening now? And this kind of goes back to our intro. Where we talked about the state of the markets. Well, because the markets are not doing so hot. Activist investors are pretty quiet when times are good, of course, but get very noisy when companies start to underperform. Now, with across-the-board losses, expect activist investors to start playing a bigger role in the management of public companies. Yeah, I've got a couple shares in, in Google, so I might I might send them a message, let them know what I think they should be up to. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to. And only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, if you were going to send a message to Google as a shareholder, would you just Google how to send a message to Google as a shareholder? Yeah. And I tell them to stop making Android phones because nobody <laughs> needs them. I am taking that as a personal front, but have a good day, Brett. You too.